Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We are in Daniel chapter 6, and we know that Daniel and these three Hebrew children, uh, we know it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was actually their Babylonian names. They were raised in this environment of darkness, and we've seen them progress before kings, right? They were just going before, they're doing their thing, and we know this King Nebuchadnezzar, who's, who's kind of been the, the, the primary guy that they've been serving under. Well, in Daniel chapter 4, because we were in Daniel 3 last week, so we're jumping forward. And just to kind of give you a a quick overview, Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar uh, has this this dream about this tree. And Daniel comes to him, and he's like, listen, he's like, you're going to have to humble yourself, or some crazy things are going to happen. And he actually goes insane. He, it says that he goes out in the wilderness. He grows his hair out. His fingernails are growing out. He's kind of like living like an animal. He, he really goes insane. And in that moment, he humbles himself and God restores his kingdom better than it ever, ever has been. And we, we know that this is from the influence and the prophetic word that Daniel had. You know, sometimes we have a prophetic word. Sometimes we think that that's serving us, or sometimes we think that it's got to be so high, mighty and spiritual and out of reach. But Daniel, Daniel really saw himself as serving the king. He did not want to see the king being crazy like that, even in a way that Nebuchadnezzar was an enemy, right? But how many know the scripture calls us to love our enemies? And so here he was actually serving his enemy. And then in Daniel uh, chapter 4, we, we see, I'm sorry, in chapter 5, there's this story of Nebuchadnezzar's son, uh, Belshazzar, and he's, there, there's a, it's, it's a semi-famous story of him having this party, and this is another king that Daniel's serving under, and during this party, this finger starts rotting on the wall, and there's like this rotting on the wall, and then he's like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to do what my dad did. I'm going to call in Daniel. Daniel's going to come in. Daniel comes in, serves that king, tells him what the rotting on the wall is, and the rotting on the wall isn't good. He's like, listen, you haven't humbled yourself. Your dad humbled himself and restored the kingdom. You're going to have to humble yourself. If you don't humble yourself, what's going to happen is the king, he said, king, you're going to be, you're going to lose your kingdom. It's, it's, it's all going to go, go under. And he doesn't humble himself. And so what happens is that night he's assassinated. Now he's not just assassinated by someone in Babylon. This is actually when the Persian empire comes in and takes over Babylon. Now, if you remember when we talked about Esther, she was serving under the Persian Empire. So this is, you know, later on in the story under another king. But this is when that happens. But Daniel's still in play. Daniel's still there. And this is where the story takes over. And this guy named Darius the Mede. Isn't that a funny name? I mean, it's something like, if you ever watch like Vikings, if y'all watch Vikings or some show like that, doesn't that sound like a character on the, Darius the Mede. And so this is, this is the guy, right? So the Medes were kind of like absorbed by the Persians, they're ruling and they're, they're setting up their kingdom. And this is the guy, Darius, who is the king. And it says this in Daniel chapter six, this is where the story uh, picks up. And again, Daniel's got this history of serving kings. And it says this, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 providences. That's a, that's a lot. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each providence. The king also chose Daniel. Here he is. Someone who's just been serving 
for 65 years in the kingdom. If you remember Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they were about 15, 16 years old when they come in. And in this part of the story, Daniel's 80 years old. That's a long time. 65 years of serving his enemies. That's faithfulness. And that's what we're really talking about today is faithfulness. So the king chose Daniel and two other kings as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect, this is important, to protect the king's interest. So Daniel soon, you could exchange the word quickly, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than any of the other administrators and high officials Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. 80 years old, not young and ambitious, just someone that's been serving decade after decade, honoring the Lord, honoring those he was putting under decade after decade. The whole empire is under him. He's serving everybody. Glorious. Daniel proved himself. Have you proved yourself? <laughs> now listen, we talk about proof. Some of y'all like, how many of y'all are under 25 and it's okay? Come on. Yeah. Listen, let me encourage you in something. Six months is not proving yourself. I know that that's hard to hear. <laughs> I know that you wanted a promotion after two weeks. Right? We're talking about decades. And and typically when we talk about proving ourselves, what we normally tend to think is proving ourselves means stating our case. This is what I've done. Listen, if you have to talk about your faithfulness, it's probably a pretty good indicator that you have not demonstrated it. So listen, listen, don't state your case. Let your work do the talking. In fact, I would say this, let your voice do the walk and let your work do the talk. (laughs) So just other words, let your voice leave the room and serve and work as unto the Lord. You want a promotion? Work for it. Don't talk your way into it. Come on. Be the promotion. Come on, work there like you're honoring the Lord. So we talked about excellence. We, we, how did he prove himself? He proved himself in excellence. And, and, and in the, uh, the, the New King James Version, I believe it is, it says an excellent spirit was upon him. And we talked about excellence several weeks ago in week three. And excellence is this, if you guys remember, excellence is our best in progress, right? So it's not just my best, but it's actually my best getting better. And so this is what happened with Daniel. After 80 years, you would think that the fire would go down a little bit that the sword would get dull. You would think after serving for 65 years that the ambition would wean and he would kind of settle down. But no, no, no. It was saying this at the end of, at, at, at what would be the end of his life, we would think. I mean, when many would retire, Daniel refires. <laughs> and it says an excellent spirit was upon him. His best was still coming at 80 years old. How many of you know your best is in front of you? I have to remind myself sometimes that, you know, pro, you know getting up in my, my later 40s, I'm like, oh, man, 
Do I, do I have what it takes? Can I, can I be better than I was? But our excellence is our best in progress. So hopefully I'm getting better. Hopefully, listen, hopefully I'm not settling down. Because they told me, come on, let's go here. They told me when I came to the Lord in 1993, they told me that I would calm down. They told me that my fire would dim down, but I said, no, that's not going to happen with me. I'm going to keep on burning. I'm going to burn for Jesus brighter when I turn 48 next year than I did when I turned 18. I'm going to burn brighter. I'm going to be better than I was then. And I would encourage you in your pursuit of Jesus, don't let the fire down. Don't let it, don't, 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 don't exchange what, what some might call wisdom for flame. That's not wisdom. That's hardness. Come on, I want to be more tender the older I get. And so, excellence. Y'all okay today? So verse four, let's look at verse four. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. I mean, he is, I mean, they all know the systems, right? This is the new system taking over Babylon. And they're like, we don't like Daniel. Who's the new guy? Have you ever been there? The new guy shows up and he's doing better than you are. He's getting the promotion. Why, why ain't I getting the promotion? Well, maybe they're, work, maybe they're just better than you. What are you going to do about it? Because you can sit around and complain about it, but what are you going to do about it? You're right. Well, they don't like me. Well, why don't they like you? Have you been a problem to work with? Have you been preaching when you should have been working? Have you been showing up late? Have you been doing the way that you think it needs to be done instead of the way that you were told to do it? That's not, that's not, by the way, that's not good work. Are you serving the king's interest? I'm already preaching, trying to hold back a little bit. So then, then the other administrators and high officers began to search for some fault, fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. They were trying to be critical. They were trying to find a problem. What can we nail Daniel on? What is he doing wrong? Let's bring that up to the king. They couldn't find anything. He was faithful. Hmm. This is what God says. God's word says about Daniel. He was faithful. Always responsible and completely trustworthy. That's what faithfulness is, right there. Always responsible, completely trustworthy, blameless. He was faithful. Listen, I've heard a lot of times, a lot of times, I've been doing this for a minute. I've heard a lot of times people say, I tried that. How long did you try it? Six months. Maybe you didn't try it long enough. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe that you tried it, but you weren't sold out to it. See, faithfulness is doing the right thing for a long time. In Daniel's case, 65 years. Daniel keeps succeeding after 65 years. Why? Because faithfulness is doing the right thing for a long time. It's not doing the right thing for a little bit, for six months, for a year. It's for decades. For decades. How long do we do the right thing? Forever. We do the right thing forever. That's what faithfulness does. See, the thing with faithfulness is, is it doesn't have an end point. Faithfulness just keeps being faithful. 
faithful, 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 faithful. Regardless of what the scenario looks like, regardless of what whoever is running the empire, whoever's running it the wrong way, he listen, he was in a toxic environment. His friends, they tried to burn him to death. He's about to be thrown into a den of lions. They are facing persecution. It's toxic. And what are they doing? They're being faithful. I would encourage you, beloved, stop making accusations about your boss or the organization that you're serving in and just be faithful. Just do the right thing for a long time. We had a guy when we lived in El Paso and uh, we had had our house built and someone gave us a hot tub. A family member gave us a hot tub, so we're like, awesome. So what we decided to do is spend a bunch of money <laughs> making a place for the hot tub. And so we had, when we first moved into the house, we got some landscaping done, and this guy came in and did a phenomenal job. I mean, immaculate. I was, we were so happy with our yard. Man, we spent all of our time in El Paso. You have, it's, not like, it's not like Dallas, right? You go out, go out to Dallas and at 8 p.m., and it's like blistering hot, just like it was at 3, right? It's just that humidity is just holding it. But in El Paso, man, the evenings are fantastic. And so we spent a lot of time in our backyard, and we actually had real grass, and we watered it. It was most El Paso ones are like, whoa, they, they, they have you have grass? People always freaked out about that. We had real grass. And uh, so we took really good care of our yard. And then we got this hot tub and we had this area built. So we had this awesome yard for, you know, a couple of years. So we called the guy that did the work for our landscape. And we're like, man, this guy, we've got the guy. I mean, the price is right. He does really good work. And he shows up and he pours the concrete and he does all this work. And I just noticed like some of the things about it. Now I'm not real easy to work for. (laughs) Amen. Some of y'all, we know. And I'm noticing like some things don't seem to be being done as well as they were before. And I'm noticing the guy shows up and he smells like booze. (laughs) And so he disappears. There's all this drama. The work's halfway done. It's not really done really well. And so at the same time, our neighbor is having some work done and the guy's doing a really good job. Well, this guy kind of falls off the planet He's like, this is as good as it's going to be. The work wasn't done really good. So we're going to have to hire someone else to come in and fix (laughs) the work that he had done. And so I'm talking to the the guy that was working in the neighbor's yard. I'm like, would you come do this? Yeah, how much would you charge? So we ended up hiring the guy to do it. And I'm talking to him. I was like, man, I I was like, I don't get it. I was like, this guy was so good. Like last time, like he did our, I mean, look at our yard. Doesn't it great? He did a great job. And I was like, I don't know what happened. Like, like what happened? He's like, well, he's like, He says, everyone's a good worker until they're not. Everyone's a good worker until they're not. Everyone's honest until they're not. Everyone's faithful until they're not. And what I found with this guy is that he was really good, but he's not. He was. He was faithful. Maybe he tried faithful, but he didn't stay faithful. And here I am dealing with the mess of his unfaithfulness, dealing with the mess of his work ethic that probably found itself at the bottom of a bottle. And here I am paying another guy to clean up the work. Why? Because he was a good worker until he wasn't. Were you a good worker until you weren't? Did something fall off? Faithfulness doesn't do that. Faithful doesn't fall off. Faithful continues. How long will I do the right thing? Forever. You'll do the right thing forever simply because, listen, it's the right thing.
Not because of what will happen because you do the right thing, but just because it's the right thing. Because faithfulness is doing the right thing for a long time. Now, when we talk about faithfulness, we're not simply talking about personal discipline. Because maybe you're faithful. Maybe you're faithful to go to the gym every day. Maybe, maybe you're faithful even to read your Bible every day. Maybe you're, you're faithful to be really self-disciplined all the time. And that's great. But are you faithful to serve something that isn't yours? And this is where Daniel's at. He proved himself before the king. The king's affairs is what he was serving. So listen, you could be a really great person in your prayer closet and or at your, your church attendance. But what is it like whenever you're doing something that doesn't really benefit you? This is called serving. Come on. And this is the deal. We talk about fruit all the time, but you don't get fruitful without being faithful. You don't get fruitful without being faithful. How many know that fruit takes time? Sometimes we see instant fruit. That's not fruit, actually. That's just a sign. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes years. In fact, the fruit that matters, lasting fruit, is the only fruit that matters. See, don't tell me don't tell me, we struggle, when I was a youth pastor, we used to struggle with this. Every summer, kids would go to youth camp and they come back, I'm fruitful, I'm fruitful. Is it still there? Or do you have to go back to youth camp to get fruitful again? If that's the case, that's not fruit. Come on, if you're living from experience to experience, if you need another experience to produce fruit, that's not fruit. You're just chasing signs and wonders. You're chasing experiences. But I believe if you encounter the Lord and you get connected with the vine, you will produce fruit. And Jesus said this way, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go produce lasting fruit. So lasting fruit is the fruit that matters. Don't tell me what you're doing right now and how fruitful it is. Please, we want to celebrate those moments. But what does it look like in five years? Because I've seen a lot of people have flashy moments with God. And three weeks later, I'm like, what happened? Because they didn't steward what God did well. They weren't faithful. They weren't faithful. So lasting fruit is the only fruit that matters. And you don't get fruitful without being faithful. Uh, Pastor Scott Wilson out in Red Oak, I heard him say it one time, and I've done it before. He would say that faithfulness looks like this. Faithful. 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 Faithful, 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 fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. When does fruitful happen? After you've been faithful. And then you're not being forceful for it to happen. You've just been faithful. You've just been grinding it out. You've just been spending time with the Lord. You've just been in the word every day. And then you start seeing patience. Then you start seeing joy. Then your anxiety doesn't seem to be an issue anymore because now you have peace. And it wasn't because you took a med, and I'm not necessarily against meds, but it's just because you were been rooted in the word. And then now that's producing. Faithful makes you fruitful. You don't get fruitful without being faithful. So exemplifying faithfulness, what does it look like? What does it look like to be faithful? And this is what we have in Daniel. Check us out, 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust. How many know that you've been given something? Come on. I mean, salvation is the gift of God. (laughs) 
Come on, you didn't earn your position in God. It was given to you. Those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. You've got to prove faithfulness. Don't tell me about your faithfulness. Show me your faithfulness. Exemplify it. The first way is this, is by being responsible. Now listen, this is as a parent. Any any of your roles that you have in life, any of the things that you do, this is what the testimony of Daniel was, that he was always responsible. The kingdom word we use for that is stewardship. Right, stewardship. You guys know this. That he protected the king's interest. That it wasn't Daniel's kingdom, but he treated it like it was his kingdom. Do you take care of your responsibilities? What are you? I want you to think about for a moment about your responsibilities. I know you're really great, guys, on Xbox. I know you got your boys. I know you're ranked like number 492 on this little list that has 100, like 600 people on it. I don't know. I don't know anything about video games, by the way. But I do know that a lot of men are more devoted to video games than they are to their prayer closet. Many more than their families, more than their jobs. But do you take care of your responsibilities? Do you have to be reminded often? These are just some questions for you to ask yourself. Am I being responsible? Do I have to be reminded of my responsibilities? If you have to be reminded of your responsibilities, it's because you get this irresponsible. <laughs> Listen, I can't, me personally, I can't think of a more insulting thing to be than irresponsible. If someone ever said that about me, I would do everything in my power to fix that. They couldn't find this in Daniel. Do you have to be reminded of often? Do you show up ready to go? Hold up. On time. (laughs) Are you dragging in late? By the way, early is on time for people of excellence. If you're showing up late, that's just five minutes. Listen, I I get it. You're going to hit traffic every once in a while. You might want to plan for traffic, by the way. Some of y'all being real quiet today. Listen, I know that it's so acceptable. What it, listen, is it, when you're on somebody else's clock, it is not okay for you to show up late. And you wonder why you're not getting that pro. He's brand new. You know what? He shows up on time, ready to go. And you know what? You show up 20 minutes early and you, you just brag about how you've been there for five years. That's all you've done. You've just been there. But you haven't been responsible. Are you consistent? Are you great this week, three weeks, and then you're not? In your Bible reading, are you consistent? You, I know you, Mondays you do really good because you got challenged on Sunday, but what happens when Thursday gets here and it's been a long week and you're tired? Come on. Are you reliable? Are you dependable? Does your word matter? Do you under-talk and over-deliver? Listen, did you know that there's fewer, better, fewer more important things for you to have than the power of your word? Like, do you find yourself having to tell people, I promise, I guarantee, those kind of, if you have to use those words, it's probably because you're not really good about doing it. So our scripture says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If I say I'm going to do something, you know I'm going to do it just because I said I don't have to promise or sign anything or, or, or add extra adjectives to, to what I'm going to do. I'm just going to show up and do it. And if not, I'm going to call you and tell you I'm not able to get to that. And if I didn't, 
Hopefully I'm the one that missed it and I'm doing the calling and saying, man, you, didn't have, you don't have to correct me on this. I'm correcting myself. I'm sorry I missed that. Communication. Do you communicate when you can't fulfill your expectation? That's, 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 that's you, you want to you lower the tension? <laughs> one of the ways you lower the tension is you, when you can't fulfill an expectation, you feel that tension with communication. We talk about this in leadership all the time. You just communicate. If you listen, you will see that the frustration level in your life shrink as you learn to be better at communication. You'll watch it shrink. I I, I carry a lot of frustration a lot of times. And you know what where, where it's geared at? People that don't know how to communicate. I'll just be honest. That's like to me, that's the biggest pet peeve. Un, unanswered phone calls, unanswered text messages. As a leader, that's one of the most frustrating things when I have people that I'm trying to lead and they won't communicate. Let's just be real. I'm not, I'm not venting, by the way. I'm just saying, this is what leaders look for. Someone that can communicate. Y'all okay? Yeah. Um, what is your posture like when you show up? Are you tired? Do you look like you need more coffee or another energy drink because you were up too late the night before to perform? Do you show up confident? Be engaged. Are you ready to go? When work starts at 8.30, are you ready to go at 8.30 or 6.30? Come on. Do you beat deadlines? Or are you always asking for extensions? First Peter 4.10. Y'all okay? super quiet in here today. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Listen, the fact that you got a job is the grace of God. <laughs> Come on. So be faithful stewards of the grace of God. The time that you have is the grace of God. The life that you have is the grace of God. Are you stewarding it well? We're talking about responsibility. And it's not a fun topic. Because most of us have areas in our lives that we're irresponsible in. But if you want to exemplify faithfulness, you got to be responsible. This is the second thing about Daniel is he was trustworthy. And trustworthy, listen, has a lot to do with responsibility. One translation says it this way, not negligent. A lot doesn't fall through the cracks. I don't miss a lot of things. I nail it. I'm responsible. In our culture, we talk a lot about being worthy of love, right? Oh, I just, I just, I want to be worthy of love. I want to be worthy of relationship. We, we pursue this, right? I want I'm worthy to be respected, worthy, worthy to be uh, affirmed, right? I mean, we, we're all into this, like, <laughs> make me feel good. But few, few pursue being trustworthy. And then you, you gain that ground by being responsible. Many are chasing worth in order to be valued. But listen to this. Typically, people only value what they trust. Typically. Typically, people only value what they trust. Now, you can find value in people you don't trust, right? Because you can honor down, right? You, you can value someone who is not trustworthy because you know that they were made in the image of God and you know that God loves them. So you can, you can value them. You might not trust them, but you can value them. But most people that you run into, people that you're gonna work for, people that you're gonna serve, they don't value what they don't trust, and part of the reason why you've been doing the same job at the same place for so long, it's not because you have a tyrant as a boss. It's because you haven't proved yourself as trustworthy. 
Have you stewarded well? Y'all okay? This is the deal with trust. Trust is built. Trust is built. That's why you can't expect a promotion when you've been there for three weeks. Unless you've just owned it and you're like exceptional, which I think the grace on your life is to do that. But don't expect it. Just work for it. Work from your approval in God for being trustworthy. My boss won't trust me. They're a micromanager. This is what we hear, right? They're a micromanager. They want things done their way. Yeah, they're the boss. <laughs> I've got a better idea. Let me suggest this to you as someone who's been a leader of organizations and all the things. You might have a better idea. Oftentimes, you probably will. But don't do it your way first. Do it their way first a couple of times. And if it's not working, go to them hat in hand and go, listen, can we try this? I have an idea. Can I submit this idea to you? If they say no, you go, okay. I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm not going to call you a micromanager. I'm just going to try to do it your way. But if God gives you an idea, which I believe he will give you ideas, if you can go hat in hand and humbly with an open hand with that idea, it might be accepted and you might push the quote unquote kingdom forward, the job forward, the business, the organization forward because of your idea. I believe that's going to happen. But you can't just throw your ideas out there saying their ideas are bad because you're serving their vision, not yours. Y'all okay? All right. My boss won't trust me. They're a micromanager. Did you do the right job for an extended period of time? Did you do it the way they asked you before? Or or did you do it their way before you were asked to do it your way, right? And so we're like, well, if they would do it this way. And listen, I hear this all the time, beloved. I I love you. If they would do it this way, if they would do it this way, the the company would, if they would do it this way, how do you even know? You've never been in charge. How do you know? And maybe you do have good ideas. Again, hat in hand, humbly mention those things. Until you have the power to execute. And I believe it will. If you serve well, I think God will promote you. Y'all okay? It wasn't for him. It was the king's interest. And really, we're talking about loyalty. Everybody say loyalty. Loyalty. Have you proved yourself as loyal? Most of us, our loyalty ends right here with me. I'm very loyal to me. I'm very committed to me. But are you loyal to the kings that you're placed under? Have you proved yourself as loyal? I'm loyal. (laughs) Have you proved yourself? Let's not talk about it. Let's prove it. You can't demonstrate royalty without demonstrating loyalty. So we're coming in and we're like, oh, I'm God's gift to this organization. The Holy Ghost has filled me. Listen, that ain't going to get you through any doors. You're going to have to go in with with a sense of responsibility, a sense of humility. Come in, lay you down, prove yourself as loyal. And then after that, I mean, Daniel has 65 years. He has a pretty good track record. And the third is this, having integrity. This is, this is where it all boils down to right here. Some translations use these words, faultless and blameless. Blameless. Faultless and blameless. So this is what the other leaders do. They look at Daniel and they're like, we can't do anything to attack his responsibility. We can't do anything to attack him being trustworthy. I mean, Daniel's like doing a really good job. What are we going to attack? We're going to have to attack his faith. Why? 
because he had so much integrity. Faithfulness is doing the right thing for a long time. Come on, it's not tenure, it's quality. Come on, how many know there's such thing as bad experience? Just because you've been doing it a long time doesn't mean you've been doing it faithfully. Faithfully is doing it the right thing for a long time. Not just faithful is doing it for a long time. Did you do it rightly? Did you do it with integrity? Y'all quiet today. Daniel 6, 4. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Paul says it this way, or the writer of Hebrews says, pray for us for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. We want to live honorably in everything that we do. Verse five, so they concluded, here it is. Here's where it breaks down and you're going to get to your Bible story. Somebody are like, man, we need to quit talking about responsibility. <laughs> All right, pastor, we get it. I hope you do because I think God wants to promote you and use you to reveal his glory. Absolutely think he does, but you can't just go in and guns blazing like that. You better put your guns up and go down, take your hat off, wash some feet, humble yourself. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection to the rules of his religion. The only thing that we can do is find something that will violate Daniel's faithfulness to God. See, Daniel's faithfulness was predictable. His reputation was that he was a faithful man. Guys, we're not going to be able to get Daniel on anything. He's been serving kings for 65 years. It's going to have to be about one thing, his commitment to God. That's the only way we're going to be able to nail him. And they knew. Come on. They knew that he would violate this order. And so this is what happens. Verse 6. So the administrators and high officials went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officials, officers, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, (laughs) they'll be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law. We've, We've got it all ready for you right here. Come on, don't you want to be worshipped? Don't you want to be prayed to? Come on, king, we're just here to to suck up. Here we are. Ah, just sign this. Nobody will be able to do anything except for you. They won't be able to pray or worship anyone except for you. Here, we got it ready. Sign it. And it says this. It cannot be changed. An official law for the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down. Here it is, as usual. What are you going to do if they outlaw Christianity? I'm going to do what I've always done. What if they tell you to shut down the church? What if they tell you you can't serve God anymore? What if they tell you you can't stand against abortion anymore? What are you going to do if they tell you that? You know what? I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to go and I'm going to get before the Lord and I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to follow my faith. What are you going to do if they cancel you? I'm going to pray because you can't take pray away. I can always pray. You can come and you can make legislation. You can make laws. You can try to shut your church down. You're not going to shut a church down. You might be able to come in and try to shut the doors, but we're still going to get together. We're going to obey God to get together. Come on. So as usual, he went to his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. Now, most of us wouldn't thank God in that moment. Are you going to do what you've always done because you've been doing it for 65 years? What are you going to do if you lose your job? What are you going to do if your, your family falls apart? What are you going to do? I'm going to do what I've always done. What are you going to do if you get sick and you're diagnosed with cancer? I'm going to do what I did all along. I'm just going to be faithful to God because my faithfulness to God is not moved by my circumstance. It is not moved by a governmental order. It's not moved by any of those things. I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. And I'm going to give thanks to him. Then the officials go to Daniel's house. They knew Daniel was so predictable. They knew that Daniel did this every single day. So they get the order signed and they said, let's go to Daniel's house. We're going to get rid of this joker. We'll get him on this. And they go in and where did they found him? find him? They found him praying. Doing what he always does. Being faithful to God. Beloved, when the accusations come, and when they're trying to find something against you, let it be the only thing that they can find against you is that you're still being consistent with your God. Regardless of what the narrative in the world is, or the drama in humanity, or what the news or Facebook is saying, we're just saying, you know what? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to do what I've always done. Guess where you'll be able to find me? You'll be able to find me praying. So that's what I'm going to do. Because I know the answer is in God. So I'm not going to get all worked up. And this is what Daniel didn't do. Come on. He didn't start a rally. <laughs> Let's change the laws. That's not what he did. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But that's not what he did. He didn't say, all right. Y'all find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's got all these people working for him. I'm sure he had people, hey, let's, let's get together. Let's overthrow the king. None of that. Let's vote him out. None of that. You know what he did? He talked to God about it. <laughs> Just like he's always done. He talked to God about it. So the thing in this decree is it was irrevocable. It couldn't be changed. Check this out. Verse 14, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. Why is he deeply troubled? Because the king loves Daniel. Because Daniel has earned his favor. Check this out. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. We don't hear this a lot right in the little Bible story. He spent the rest of his day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, that no law that the king signs can be changed. 
So at last, king, give orders for Daniel to be arrested and throw them into the den of lions. The king said to them, said to him, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. The king has to honor his order, but he doesn't want to. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. A pagan king fasting for Daniel. What is happening? Daniel has favor. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Now get this. Daniel had favor with King Darius. All the other people were against him, but he had favor with his boss. He had favor with the one he was serving under. Listen, beloved, the presence of trouble is not the absence of favor. And some of you think because you're going through trouble that you don't have the king's favor. I'm here to tell you today, the presence of trouble is not the absence of favor. You can be, listen, favor, favor will get you into more problems than it'll get you out of sometimes. Come on, it'll cause a stir. But the problem is in the trouble, Daniel's delivered, and we know this. And what was it that attracted the favor of the king to Daniel? His faithfulness. Faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. May those that you're serving under have favor on you because of your faithfulness. This is what it attracts. In the kingdom, the way it works before God, God already favors you. But in order for you to feast on his favor... And to feast on his faithfulness, you've got to stay in that pocket of faithfulness. If you get out of God's favor, God has like a, think of it as rain, as favor. And it's raining right here. And you're living over here. It's not that God doesn't have favor for you. It's you're living outside of that. And what's living inside of it is the pocket of faithfulness. So the psalmist says it this way. He says, he says that the faithful will feast on your faithfulness. So if you want to feast on your faithfulness, you got to come to the table of faithfulness and start living outside of it. God, God has got favor, but you got to get up under it. So here it is with Darius. And it says this, when he got there, he called out in anguish. So he's deeply troubled. The king shows up and he goes, Daniel, and I hope he's alive. I hope my fasting worked. I hope my prayers weren't wasted. I really hope Daniel's still alive. I mean, the king has this, I think that there's tears. He calls out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. He didn't go my servant. He said, servant of the living God. Was your God whom you served so faithful, so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? I thought he might. I mean, I've heard, it, heard the stories about your, 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 your cousins or whoever, whatever, however the relationship was with Shadrach. I know that God delivered them. Was he able to deliver you from the lions? I've heard how this God works. And you serve him faithfully. And Daniel answers, long live the king. Not how dare you allow this to happen. 
He says, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent. I have had integrity in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. I've honored you. And I've honored God. And I've been faithful. And God has rescued me. And the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted out of the den. And no scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Listen, God will snatch you out of the the, the darkest, deepest dungeons if you will trust him. And the theme of this story and the accusation against, not necessarily against Daniel, but the reputation that he carried is that he was faithful to God. I mean, 65 years, most of the rest of the book of Daniel is devoted to visions and dreams. But we see in the story here that he was marked by his faithfulness. And this is the deal with faithfulness. Real quick as we're finishing up, faithfulness starts with faith. And not just in the word. <laughs> you got to believe. Do you believe? Do you trust? Faithfulness starts with faith. Let me just be real with you just for a moment. Sometimes I share stuff and I'm like, I don't know if I should share this. I'm just going to do it. That's what I do. I had this moment about, two, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. I'm sitting on my back porch, and I'm just super discouraged. We've had a lot of people move out of town this year. It's just, it's been a hard 18 months. And I was like, I had like, I had like the day before that, I had like the worst day I've ever had emotionally. And I'm praying. (laughs) What do you do when you're drained? I I just do what I've always done. I'm praying. I'm sitting on my porch about 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. And I just, I felt the Lord ask me a question. I don't know that the Lord has ever asked me a harder question because I'm like, Lord, I don't know, like the church, like all these people are moving and just discouraged and COVID and drama and all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to me and he said this, he said, Josh, he said, do you believe in what you're doing? I was like, I believe in what I'm doing. It was a heart check, man. Because I've been faithful. But sometimes we can do the groundwork of faithfulness without the, the heart connect. And I sit there for about two minutes just thinking about what the Lord had asked me. Do you believe in what you're doing? I said, Yeah, Lord. I believe. I believe in it. I asked our staff, like the following weekend, we had a staff retreat, and I said, I feel like that this is what the Lord asked me, and I want to ask you guys. I know it's been a hard 18 months. Do you believe in what we're doing? See, faithfulness starts with faith. Do you believe? Do you trust God? The second thing about faithfulness is faithfulness grows with faith. You know why Daniel had the faith to be thrown into the den of lions? Because he had always prayed. Because he had a pattern of praying. And that pattern wasn't going to stop. He had the faith because he built the faith over the decades. 
The third thing about this is faithfulness takes courage. It takes courage to be faithful. It takes courage to do the right thing when everybody's telling you to do the wrong thing. It takes courage to say the right thing when everybody's saying, demanding that you say something else. It takes courage to do the right thing, to, to live blameless, to be innocent, to not put my agenda first. It takes courage to do what God has called me to do. But this is the thing. When we trust God, we get to see what only he can do. We get to see what only he can do when we trust him, when we have faith. Will you stand with me? Courage like trust is built. There are moments. See, in that moment that I was sharing with you guys a few moments ago, there was no question in my mind that the Lord believed in me. There was no question. Because if he didn't believe in me, he wouldn't ask me to do it. If he didn't trust me with it, he would have asked me to do it. I don't ever give something to somebody so important that I don't trust. I might love them, <laughs> but I'm not going to give them something that they're going to screw up.